0: Hello friends, I'm your host Chris Thrull, I'm a former Royal Marines Commando, I've adventured, for better and sometimes worse, across 80 countries on all seven continents. Welcome to the Bought the T-Shirt Podcast. Kate, how are you?
1: I'm quite good, thanks Chris. Mentally, I'm feeling quite positive, but we were just talking offline about our physical ailments, so there's a few little things going on, but overall, nothing to complain about.
0: Yes, you were saying, uh, um, were the injuries from from your world records?
1: One of the injuries, yes. So. Uh, Obviously sitting on a bicycle for 24 hours, there are five points of contact. And one of which, uh, <laughs> quite badly. And I'm still even seven months later healing from that. But the other one is from yoga. I-, I took up yoga a few years ago to, to soften and sort of give back to my body. And that's where I tore a la- my lab in my hip.
0: Oh my gosh. That sounds painful. Wh- wh- which part of your hip is that?
1: Uh, it's it's my anterior labrum. so i was sort of bending backwards in one of those uh, abnormal yoga positions that i should have known better and something snapped and ever since then i've been in pain running i um yeah i'm sitting and walking but i've managed to get it to a point where i can run two and a half k and obviously cycle but i'm not going to push it any further just um, there's no more need
0: yeah injury it's just the nemesis isn't it of people that like to exercise a a lot and it doesn't uh to be honest it doesn't really affect me i i've been really lucky injury wise but it's my my back i think had i known what i know now kate i would have looked over to my back over the years a lot better than i have yeah and i've put my disc out put a disc out this time lifting the garden shed stupid thing to do but my mind i still think that i'm 18. Yeah. i still feel 18. So I think, ah, I'll just, I'll just, and, and it, and it's, um, gosh, and for someone who's had a slip disc operation or a discectomy, Mm it, 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 it's, you were talking like two years out of your life where you wait and get all this stuff sorted out. So anyway, not here to talk about my, my back. Can you, can you tell us more about your world records and how did they come about?
1: yeah so in may last year i attempted three world records two that already existed which was furthest distance on a static bike in one in 12 hours but the big one that i was really excited about and nervous was furthest distance in 24 hours uh, and the reason why i was quite excited is because there was a there was a male equivalent world record but no female and it was sort of my nod to making sure that we we do our best positively towards equity and and equalizing opportunity for all as well
0: mm and oh do you do that on a track or is that in in the nature or something
1: it was actually on a static bike so i, I fixed I, i've got a bamboo bicycle made in ghana so it's it was fixed on a sort of indoor training wheel if you want and so i didn't move it was on a full moon uh, night so i was outdoors so at least i got a bit of nature but yeah things were moving around me but i was pretty stationary for the entire time
0: gosh that sounds really ninja <laughs>
1: it was quite brutal <laughs> yeah.
0: do you, i'm guessing you have to sort of pace yourself a bit
1: yeah i mean i i decided to do this record in 2020 and as i'm sure i'm not alone here that that year proved to never follow anyone's plans uh, and so indoor training was actually i was quite fortuitous to have a lot more time on my hands to do the training i needed to and the time kept getting moved back so I originally wanted to complete it in eleven months, uh, but lockdowns and restrictions meant I had sixteen months to to train for it. Um, but yeah, it was it was it was mentally a lot to prepare for. Uh, but for the day, as you said, it was just making sure that I didn't burn out at the beginning. But I still was breaking the world records for the one in twelve hours first, and finding out how my body could digest the food. I mean, there's all this sort of elements I'd never even thought about, but. My stomach wasn't digesting after eight hours because it was focusing so hard on the legs. So I needed a massage just to be able to move things from my tummy into its intestines to do the work. Um, But yeah, it was was quite an exploration of how the body works for 24 hours.
0: Mm. What were you doing in Ghana?
1: I I haven't been to Ghana. I just found a charity that uh, makes bicycles out of bamboo. And I love that it's a carbon positive product. Uh, And she also, the charity founder, she also makes bicycles for local kids. They can attend schools. So it was just a really nice added story to to what I was cycling on, that we gave some care and attention and made sure that it was as sustainable as possible. Have you been to Africa at all?
0: Yes, I've been, um, gosh, um, several times, actually. But I I worked in Mozambique for six months, um, teaching street kids. I'd heard about this bike. Um, I think didn't the chap who's done did the first triathlon up and down the UK? Um, was his name Sean? Yeah, Conway. Sean Conway. Yeah, didn't he do his cycle on a bamboo yeah. bike? Yeah, yeah, he
1: did a bamboo bike as well. So it's 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 great to see more and more people sort of looking at alternative um, materials. Yeah. How how do they? I mean, how do the
0: sort of finer points work, like the brakes and the rims and the inner tubes or, or or tires?
1: All of all of that is normal. So the the gearing, the the pedals, even the handlebars, all of that is what you'd expect on a normal bike. Mm. But it's it's the actual frame, the core of it, that is made of bamboo. Uh, so we send the spec over, and they cut the bamboo to order. They then strap it together with hemp. And then pour resin over it to just sort of make sure nothing falls apart and it's as strong as steel Uh, it's a little bit heavier than steel uh, and we've got to use disc brakes so that's the only sort of downside because of the weight issues but everything else is really high spec which is absolutely amazing for us cyclists who need that sort of attention as well
0: yeah i'd say don't leave it near a panda bear yeah (laughs)
1: luckily there aren't that many in britain so we should be fine (laughs)
0: And how did you get into? I mean, you—you I, I see you, your Reiki specialist or practitioner, um, but you came from an aerospace back, background. So that's an interesting crossover.
1: Yeah, I think um, when I when you know when we're told to choose our life at, at the age of seventeen, we don't really know how to answer that question so i liked maths i liked geography i liked languages so i chose environmental engineering as my one of my first degrees uh you're right i did go on to aerospace uh but it it was done a little bit flippantly uh i I, and i chose to study abroad so i studied in france and italy so i was able to at least get my travel fix from that but i think looking back i was never i'm not an engineer i'm good with maths and numbers but it doesn't mean that I'm that sort of tolerance and fit in the engineering box. I'm very much more intuitive and spiritual and follow my gut and just do things on a whim. So uh, now at the age, beautiful age of 40, I'm rediscovering myself and following what makes my heart sing rather than what the logic dictates I should be doing because I'm good at or my parents expect it from me. So, yeah, uh, it's good to yes. see the evolution of myself at last.
0: <laughs> yes, we have to shape, throw off the conditioning don't we and and start to live life for ourselves and do what makes you Mm -hmm. happy they say
1: yeah and it's it's a blessing i I don't know if you're noticing it in your in your sort of where you sort of network but or hang out i'm seeing more and more people at an earlier age have these questions of you know what what do i enjoy you know how can i do something that that makes you know as i said makes my heart sing but i really have passion for rather than just looking for the money. Uh, So I'm really heartened to see more and more people having that conversation earlier on.
0: Yeah. I, I was on a campsite in, um, I think it was early beach, or it was somewhere up near Cairns in, in Australia. And the chap, I got friendly with a chap who was putting his tent up next to me. So we had a barbecue that evening and stuff. And by the end of the night, he was in bits. He was actually sobbing his heart out because he said chris all my life i've just chased the job i thought it was about the career position i thought it was about the money and if i'd stick at it i'll be this and he says i've just wait, wasted my 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 life for anyone listening no you haven't wait, ever wasted your life it's all experience but this is this is this guy's anecdote and um and uh, yeah it's kind of funny my mate's rode across the atlantic and he looks at me and goes, Chris, you've lived hell of a life. <laughs> what are you are about? <laughs> you haven't done badly yourself. Um, yeah. Yes. Freedom, freedom, throw off the shackles. So let's um, go back a, a bit, Kate. Ha, have you always been a fitness type person or an exercise person or was this something that came to you later in life?
1: I think this to of my life started about 10 years ago. So I've always been fit in school, but again, the belief my parents gave me was that I, my family were with a fit, the physical fitness family, rather than the arty or the cultural family. So, uh, I fitted that model, but I never took any sport seriously. So I was called up to Wales in lacrosse, for example. And I said, no, cause I didn't want to take the joy out of what I enjoyed. And every time they'd sit me down and say, you you know, you can't do this, you can't do that. And that's when I said, I don't want to stop myself. So uh, it was only in 2012 when uh, I went through quite a toxic relationship. It broke down, fortunately, six days before our wedding. But it left me really questioning, similar to what you said with that guy on Ely Beach. Like, who am I? What have I been doing for the last years? you know, where, where is me on that list? You know, I'm doing all this for work, all this for the other person, just, you know, the, the dog was getting more attention than I was. So uh, that's when I decided to put me back on the list. And I always find sport is a really humbling experience because we can't hide from it. We can't lie that we've done our work because we'll be in a world of pain after, you know, a training session or a, a race if we haven't. Uh, but it's also quite liberating because it just started to build myself up in confidence as well as um, connecting myself to nature again, because I was running in the blue mountains. I lived in Australia at the time. So it was just a great way for me to sort of build up that integrity and put myself first as well with, with permission, using that sport as a vehicle.
0: We've got to say hello to Bob at this point then, because Bob's one of the guys on my team and he lives in the blue mountains.
1: Amazing. Hi Bob.
0: Yes. Is it the, Two sisters or something, the seven sisters, the there's a three, three sisters.
1: Them, yeah. Yes. Yeah, and lives very close to there actually in a place called Blackheath, the village of 2000.
0: Yeah, I was in one of those towns very near to the the three sisters and um there was a bushfire. Mm. And it's just smoke everywhere. <laughs> and uh I stopped for a bit to have a look, but I was quite pleased to get back in my hire car and, and bug out of there. Yeah.
1: yes, yeah, it's, it's, very, it's very wild and we forget sometimes live, well, I live in Britain now and we forget how wild wild is, you know? So yeah.
0: I, it, it's lovely. I love the vibe down there. So many people get up early for exercise, don't they?
1: Mm, yeah. It it's We don't meet in a pub. We meet on a walk and, what
0: a great way to live. Yeah. You'll see, you know, two guys, I don't know, my age, 50 years old, carrying a canoe down to the sea to have their morning paddle and all the surfers in the water. And mm-hmm. do, do you find, are you like me, Kate? Do you find life a bit more fun when it's sunny?
1: Oh yeah.
0: Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I find it, I have to really kind of, speak to myself in a good way in the winter <laughs> and and yeah. uh do um um almost like nlp on myself to, to remind myself all the seasons are beautiful chris not just the summer but yeah but uh yeah. i do i am passionate about it. the summer just fills me with so much energy i
1: completely agree i, I think i'm hyping it i think i hibernate in winter I need to halve my to-do list. I need to sleep more. I need to, you know, eat more as well and just sort of find a duvet and just lay under it for a bit longer.
0: Yes. Yes. I have to be really strict because somebody said to me at the end of last summer, I hope you're going to do your running videos every day when it's freezing cold in the winter. So I got no choice, but to get up at five or six and jog around the block. but uh, of than me. <laughs> uh I, I, I really love it i absolutely love it i love my life yeah i mm. love i love life i should say and um being able to get up when it's bitterly cold and everything's icy and and put your running gear on and still love it whereas i don't know 20 years i wouldn't have been like that 20 years ago i certainly wasn't like it in, when i was in the marines i used to hate the cold <laughs> It's not not good when you're in the Norwegian Arctic, but it was it's awful. Shouldn't make soldiers get cold. No, it
1: doesn't make sense at all. <laughs> um
0: yes, so did you completely transit from the aerospace stuff into into what you do now? Because you're a public speaker, you're a life coach, you you help um businesses get their act together and 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 you, you know, you you do the Reiki, you do, you do a lot of stuff, Kate, and it's all really good. Have you moved completely away from the area?: Yeah, aerometer? I have,
1: I have. I, last year I did have some clients who still worked in the aerospace sector, but it wasn't about the engineering aspect. It was more about them finding their vision and their purpose and different ways of serving their clients in a more altruistic way. They found that how they were working didn't fit their personal beliefs and they wanted to upgrade so it's still working the way i want it just in my old sector but yeah i i got out of it after two years actually the engineering
0: yeah i mean it's a funny sector because i mean british aerospace um, for example i mean they make lots of weapons don't don't they they make lots of arms
1: mm. yeah and- it's predominantly military and defense and unfortunately defense sometimes means attack as well so it isn't all just flying to the Caribbean to have a nice holiday there is sort of side to it that I wasn't enjoying as much the more I got to know it
0: yeah it's a funny old industry you I mean working in Mozambique you still can't go off the track because there's landmines all over the Than in country and to think someone made that in a factory and someone designed it really so cognitively distanced from what it actually what the function of it actually is is um yeah so let's go back to your world records so you did the 12 hour one and the 24 in one go you just when you got to the 12 hour mark you'd got that record what what distance did you What distance was that? And what distance did you get overall?
1: So the one hour, I've got them written, I can't remember, but they're written behind me fortunately. The twelve hour was uh two hundred and thirty-two miles. Three
0: hundred and thirty
1: two two hundred and thirty-two miles.
0: Two hundred and thirty-two miles in twelve hours, my God.
1: Yeah, and then the twenty-four hours was four hundred and thirty-three miles. So I obviously was getting slower in the last 12
0: hours. Not much slower. Oh, Kate. That's incredible effort.
1: Thank you. Um,
0: Yeah. Well, I remember when I, I I decided to do a quadruple Ironman distance triathlon Mm
1: -hmm. and
0: I did it over seven days. And when I did the bike phase, I think the first evening I knocked off after swimming for 10 miles, I did 36 miles on the bike just to get that, like, yeah, the, the odd 36, because then it meant a hundred miles per day for the next, was it four four days? I think it was. Oh um, and I was getting up at dawn and I was still going late at night just to get a hundred miles in per day. And I'm mm-hmm. a rubbish cycler. I mean, I did, I think I cycled 25 miles training, training for that. Um, but it still it took me 12 hours to just scrape a hundred miles. Um
1: yeah. But you had like a four marathons waiting for you. So I totally get why you were taking your time.
0: Yeah. Yeah, 108 miles I had to run in the end because the trail was so badly. I I I I'd put in for an ultra to do the run in an ultra, if that makes sense. And it's the Robin Hood Ultra up in Sherwood forest in Nottingham. Wonderful ultra. If anyone's um, listening, it starts off down a canal bank about 12 miles along this beautiful canal. Then it's just all around Sherwood forest. But um, come the next day, oh my God, I was in bits. Couldn't feel my feet cause my spine had been so crushed. Um,
1: um, yeah. Um, <laughs> yes. Wow. It yes, the th- question. Do you get often the
0: question like people asking you why why you do it? Um n- no. Um my kind of thing, I almost said frustration, but that's that's not really true. Is I when people say, Oh, how do you run a length of the country? I'll say it's really simple. You buy an aeroplane ticket, you get out at John O'Groats and then you look at your compass and if it says south then you start putting one foot in front of the other if you can put a tent up that's a double bonus because you'll have to get a hotel in mm-hmm. anyone tells me they can't do what i just said you know and if you're in a wheelchair you've got to you know do some wheeling um it's yeah. that simple it's within everyone i i didn't do any training to run the length of the country because i was that was the first time i um had a a disc operation so i'd been pretty much disabled for two years and finally having put this thing off and put it off and put it off and then finally got an operation then i had to i think had about four surgical procedures in total and finally i'm just thought i've got to get this done so i just bought, (laughs) bought bought a plane ticket and um yeah just went to john and groats and started it and just smiled all, all the way and, and i mean you do get a few challenges i'm not gonna i'm not gonna kid you but um it's just weird kate it's that thing isn't it i grew up in a generation where the media wanted you to believe that that like a half marathon is the preserve of the olympic elite and you mm. know and it's for these People that are trained like really hard and and it's it's like I hate to disillusion people. You can walk a half marathon really easy. Yeah, <laughs> maybe not. You know, I, I get everyone's got different levels of uh, um, ability. I'm I'm not being too flippant, but seriously, if somebody put a gun to your head and said, "If you don't walk thirteen miles, I will shoot you," you you you're going to walk 13 miles and then you're going to go, Oh, wasn't actually that difficult. So that's my, that's my kind of thing is I'm more, I, 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 I don't want to be one of these athletes that makes out I'm super special and that I'm elite or I've done all this training or you couldn't do it. I tell people the truth, plant-based diet, that puts you way ahead of, of most people in life, not, not just in, um, not just in sport. And when I, I, I'm what I call majority plant-based Kate. So I don't mind to eat a bit of meat. I I've made a thing now. I don't eat factory meat. So I'll only eat game meat, which is, I don't know, possibly once, once a week these days, but um, I'd rather people sort of understood this side of it, you know, how we've been massively lied to about our, our, our diet, um, how we've been lied to about, you know, sports that they're not not as elitist as, yeah. as you might think you get very um you know very I chatted to a guy the other day Rich um his podcast is going to come out soon he shed god knows uh, 10 stone in a year to run Britain's toughest 100 mile ultra going up up and down mountains and he did all that in a year so and he lost 10 stone from being chronically obese to do it. So no one's really got an excuse if they if someone like Rich can do that.
1: Yeah, I completely agree. And you know, what you're saying is is really it resonates me with what I do my best to share as well as I am just a normal girl who who has, you know, didn't put one foot in front of the other, just put one pedal in front of the other. Mm. And it hurts. Uh, I live streamed it all to make sure people saw the pain, like for for 16 hours, I did not smile. I was crying, you know, there was blood, sweat and tears everywhere, but we just do it because we, we made a promise. and and I know that it, it pushes me to be more, to be more Kate to, you know, and hopefully inspires others to just do more as well. And as you, as you said, it's all on a plant-based diet as well. So at least I knew that what I was eating was helping me nourish and keeping me alive as well and and others as well making sure my impact to the environment was less
0: what did you eat kate when you were on on the bike
1: um i used um my favorite go-to meal was a taka dal so i made my own lentil curry with brown rice uh, and also i used some bars and natural sort of natural gels that are made out of beetroot juice from this company called Valo forte So it's all, it's all whole food. So I, I look at the ingredients list and I actually recognize the names. Uh, so that's a really big thing for me. Uh, so that's all I pretty much, about a dozen bars, a couple of bowls of Tarkadal and some drinks to make sure I stayed hydrated.
0: Oh, that's great. When I've run ultras, the thing I hate about them is when you stop at the, the, I don't know, aid stations, they call them, don't they? You stop at an Mm -hmm. aid station, it's all bloody sweets. It's yeah. the last thing you want to eat when you've been running for seventy-five miles. Is a bowl. I mean, yeah, there is a place. Sometimes you just want to grab some jelly babies and shove them in your mouth, and that sugar—it's just good. But, but most of the time, you want some proper food, don't you? You want some.
1: Yeah, yeah. I used to make my own when I lived in Australia, like little rice balls, uh, or I used to make some like dates—you know, sweet and sour, basically. Just make sure I I didn't saturate my my palate. But yeah, we, I don't know why we turn to all of this processed junk. Cause it's not helping us, it's giving us a quick rush and sugar and we're justifying it because we're running or cycling or whatever, far. but it really isn't good. So yeah, let's just turn back to the nature.
0: Yeah. And I heard, sorry to turn this to, to running. It's just, I don't get on my bike as much as I should, but now my back's hurt and I probably will because sorry, I'm really going off on one here, but I've never been able to touch my toes, Kate, right? I can't get much past my knees, if I was honest. In Marines training, you have to be able to touch your toes, but I used to just fake it and just, luckily in, in eight months of training, the, the the physical training instructor never noticed that I couldn't touch my toes, so I got, I got away with it. With one exception, when I got off that bike after 400 miles, I touched my toes easily. Oh my god how mad is that that's strange <laughs> yeah it must have must have just shaken my back out oh you know just that posture must have just been so i think now my back's hurting again i'm gonna get 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 my nice um road bike out and go and do some miles but
1: yeah
0: that's what that's i was going to say i saw a guy on the joe rogan show can't remember the chap's name but he's one of the world's leading ultra runners now and i all. I already knew that Scott Jurek, who's one of the most famous ultra runners in the world, was completely plant-based,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and this chap on Joe Rogan's show, he he runs runs in ketosis, so yeah. he just eats. Uh, what's the name of the ketosis diet? Is it like a paleo sort of? Yeah,
1: it's pre- high protein, low or no carbs. I think. Yeah
0: he keeps his body burning fat so that when he goes into an ultra, his body's not slowed down because it's trying to digest a whole load of stuff. It's already onto the fat. So there's no, like the glucose, uh, reserve. He hasn't got to burn through that first. He's, so he's already on the already burning his body's fat. And I found that was, that's fascinating.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I I've started to look into that and also about fasting and we can do it on a plant-based diet because there's a myth that paleo is only meat, mm. uh, but it just means a lot of avocados. <laughs> uh, but yeah, just to be able to transition, as you said, from carb to fat is, is really helpful, especially if we're going over longer distances. Mm.
0: I find because um, I fat, well, I just tend to have a green smoothie at lunchtime. So basically a pint of vegetables, and one meal in the evening. And if I'm running as well, which I do every day, I, I start to taste the ketosis, um, you know, so my body's almost in that state, but, but, but I guess I'm not putting in loads of reserve calories. So my body's storing it up and up and up. I'm just right on that line. So I, I, I can feel you for friends at home that are wondering how you tell you, your mouth starts to taste soapy and that's the fat the fat as it burns off, you get this because um, you can make soap from fat, can't you? In fact, it's,
1: yeah, it's, yeah. Um,
0: I think that was in that film Fight Club, They he used to go and raid all the liposuction places for bin bags full of fat people's fat. And then he used to turn it into this luxury soap. Uh, but uh, yeah, so going back to the bike then, so you're on the bike, what kind of pace are you having to keep up?
1: So for the first for the first hour, because that was a world record as well, uh, I have I did just over twenty four miles an hour. So nothing massive, but but enough just to make sure that the record was succeeded. Uh, and then thereafter, I'm quite a slow cadence. So my I don't turn my legs very quickly, so it was around seventy to eighty revs a minute, and it varied between like twenty two to eighteen miles an hour uh, depending on my pain thresholds and, and what the target was for that hour. Luckily I've got a team around me to make those kind of decisions. Cause I didn't, if I think too far forward, I, it can overwhelm me or it can feel insurmountable or I can push too hard. So they only gave me a number to focus on for 60 minutes. And that was what I just needed to do. And then the next 60 minutes, they they changed the number. So I knew what I was aiming for that one.
0: And you said there was no previous women's record for the twenty four hour one?
1: Yeah, that's right. yeah.
0: So did you have a rough idea what you wanted to achieve?
1: Yeah, I mean Guinness chose a number out well basically out of thin air, and they said a four hundred I think it was four hundred and twenty miles for for the twenty four hours, so I knew they had to be over that to be able to achieve the record. But I hadn't ridden the bike before. It was I'd only I only got it the week before, so I'd only done one hour training on it. Uh, I'd never cycled outdoors before. It, it, there was a lot of variables, so for me, it was just happy to to finish it. Uh, so yeah, anything over four twenty was an absolute bonus. The goal was to finish twenty four hours. <laughs>
0: mm. And and sorry, just remind us again, you did four hundred and thirty
1: three point wow. one. <laughs>
0: and um what when you got off the bike did you have any ritual was anything you were really massively looking forward to
1: uh i i don't actually i make sure i i'm I'm a bit strange maybe I, i train with no pleasure so i don't watch netflix i don't listen to music i i used to train facing a brick wall uh just and in my triathlon era, before that, I'd train with no padding in my my trousers either, because anything above that was always luxury and the same for after the event. Uh, I don't set myself up to have that expectation. So I just said thank you to my team, uh, helped the pack down and and had a cold bath. It's very, very basic, very simple pleasures.
0: <laughs> yes. you you've got to be strict with that cold bath, haven't you? And, and because it, all I feel like is a nice hot bath, but of course it's, oh, it's, it's the worst thing. I
1: It's amazing. The difference that a cold bath or a cold shower has.
0: I had one this morning and actually had a cold bath, at least up to like my chest height, just to try to get my back, the disc in my back to shrink mm. a bit or the swelling to, to shrink. But when I, ran the length of the country someone very kindly bought me the land's end hotel for the night for me and my my family and um i was trying to drink a pint in the pub but i was so exhausted i couldn't function couldn't speak everyone was trying to say oh chris can i help you and i'm just like "Fuck off don't just leave me alone. No, you can't help. I've been fine for thirty-seven days, doing everything on my own, every minute of the day. And now suddenly, all these people—it was a bit, it was a bit of a strange scenario. And um, and I went up to that hotel room, and I I just couldn't resist a nice hot bath. And the next day, I couldn't walk.
1: Oh, gosh. Well, yeah. I
0: did walk, but it was like I was like uh, walking like John Wayne. <laughs> <laughs> um, yes. Yeah. But, so uh, and tell us about triathlon, Kate, because I'm I noticed that in your resume. Um, I'm always fascinated about triathlon because it's something I I came to really late in life.
1: Mm-hmm. And I'm really I've like, done the levels of you. I've I've done three iron men in my life. Uh and I just turned to it when I went through that breakup. And it was nine years prior, I started training for an iron man, but I got talked out of it by my then boyfriends, you know, you, you know, don't do that. You know, I'll miss you when you go training, all of this sort of lovey dovey words, but actually it's slightly controlling and, and negative and behind it. And I didn't pick up on it. So yeah, just wanted to put myself back on my list. So I set myself a goal of completing an Ironman. Uh, and similar to what you're saying about flying. If you want to walk lands into John and just fly to Land's End and start walking, I thought, if I want to do an Ironman, and I've never done one before, where should I aim? And the only thing I could do was aim to be number one. And it wasn't out of ego, it wasn't out of beating anyone or proving something to somebody, it was, well, if I don't aim at first, I'll never find out how far I can go. So that was my goal. I could barely run a mile, but I was saying to my friends, I'm going to be an Ironman world champion. Um, (laughs) And I never did, but I became long distance world champion. So I found my level, but I, I know in my heart, I would never have got there. Had I set a goal of just finishing. So yeah, that's, it was just a way of, again, reclaiming part of my life and giving me permission to dream again.
0: Did you, did you actually end up doing an Ironman?
1: Yeah, I, I I did three in a year, so I was I went pretty gun ho at it. Uh, the closest I got to it was 10th, te- I think, uh, with a 3.45 marathon at the end. So pretty good, but just not, not good enough. But that was my level. That was where I finished.
0: It's only not good enough if you're comparing yourself to other people though, <laughs> well, Kate. Come on.
1: Yeah, true. Exactly, exactly. And I'm still doing it. Look at me. I'm saying that I
0: didn't. Uh, yeah. Yeah. For our friends out there. I came my first ever triathlon was in, in a place called Torquay in Devon or Torbay area. I didn't just come last. I was so much behind the whole field that my little boy was on the finish line going, where's my daddy. Why is my daddy not come back yet? I was, honestly like the best part of an hour behind they tried to stop me they they asked me to stop so, so like we're trying to pack it. i'm like out of my face if you want your medal you can keep it i don't i'm not stopping right <laughs> and and they were very graciously waited around and then put my put my medal on them oh. but but uh and that was your do they call it like the standard triathlon so it's like a half iron mat, or or it's a mile swim I don't know, was it 40 mile bike ride and, and then a six mile run or some, something like this. Um, and when I come over that finish line, I thought, right. In eight weeks time, I'll do four Ironmen together. <laughs> or, or I should say distance triathlon. I did the swim in a, in a, in the in, in a Lido pool. So, a saltwater swimming pool, but, um, but, uh, yeah, it, I just think it's impressive that you've done an Ironman, um,
1: yeah and it's so inspiring it's scary isn't it when we set goals like that and it's not just our own fears it's the naysayers around us that oh you can't do that who do you think you are you can't run this distance it is tough to stand strong and and say i'm going to do an iron man so yeah well done you as well
0: Mm. yeah this is a thing again that we have to be careful of is you can have some really keen sportsmen or whatever it is in life telling you or or authors because you know i've written a few books telling you oh and and what they're doing is they're projecting their own stuff on onto you it's not real like the number of people when you join the marines will tell you you can't do it um and when you get in the marines it's really weird some of the guys you think will get through this tough training no They're like the first guys to leave. And uh, the underdogs that um, are just, I mean, I was like nine and a half stone or something. Um get through to the end. It's um mm. so I never listened to naysayers ever. i I just set my own course and think, right, I think I can do this. Yeah. <laughs> Let's do it.
1: Yeah.
0: And having a partner that supports you is, I mean. I probably shouldn't say this, but I will. If you haven't got a partner that supports you, then they're not your partner.
1: I um, agree. I, I totally agree. If they're not if they're not enrolled in your potential and your dreams, they are not enrolled in you. And um, they they're holding you back. And that is not love in my world.
0: Yeah. If they love you, they want you to blossom, don't they? And um mm. when our little boy was born, I remember running out of the hospital. We couldn't wait to leave the hospital and get home. And we, we walked him through the door and I said, Jane, can I go for a run? She went, go. <laughs> so I went and ran a marathon. <laughs> I left then, her alone yeah. with our little, our little bundle of joy for, for four and a half hours. And she was more than happy with that. But you know, how many people like, oh, you can't, can't, what? now you've just got your baby home. Ah, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I owe my, um, I owe my, Girlfriend, an awful, awful lot. She's just brilliant. Yeah. So, Kate, what's the future?
1: What, what a great question. Uh, who knows? Mm. But in honesty, I've I've met somebody who actually supports me for the first time in my life a couple of years ago. And what's wonderful is I've su- I've shared what I wanted to do, and he asked if you could come as well. So later this year we're cycling around Wales. On our both our bamboo bikes around the circumference of Wales, raising some money for a mental health charity. But next year's a biggie, so we're cycling the circumference of England, Scotland, and Wales, 3,000 miles, and we're planting 3,000 trees as we go because obviously the bike ride isn't enough. And uh, yeah, it's just amazing that for the first time in my life, I've got someone who doesn't begrudgingly let me go; they also want to be part of it and actively involved. So really
0: looking yeah. forward to it yes sorry the point of what I was saying folks was yeah you you life's too short to have someone that doesn't 100% get behind what mm. what you want to do isn't it Kate that's an amazing challenge how can people follow you support you get involved sponsor you what, whatever
1: yeah I've set up a page on my my main website uh, where there's the donate button as well to give for the Just Giving pages, and it's KateStrong.Global/Adventures, and there you can find out about the Tour de Wales as well as the Challenge Three Thousand, which I've aptly named for the twenty twenty three challenge.
0: Yeah, we'll put all your links below the um, below our you. YouTube video, so everyone can get on it. Um, it's I don't know if you're sick of talking about it, but you've got a wicked surname for this kind of thing, haven't you?
1: Yeah, well, I mean, it's a double-edged sword because I've got a lot to live up to, but I'm learning that vulnerability is also a strength as well.
0: Yes, I guess it depends what kind of strong, doesn't it? Because um, you wouldn't want to smell strong. Yeah, sorry, <laughs> <laughs> but no, it's like we're we're, we're guy, a guy I worked with in the Marines called Armstrong. <laughs> That's quite quite a good. Good now, I guess that comes from the old. English archery or something, doesn't it?
1: Yeah. Yeah. We've got ties to some, some lands like common law lands with We a battle was won and we got rights to allow our horses to live on it or something. Obviously I have hundreds of horses that live there, not one. Uh, so yeah, I think our name comes from that as well.
0: And when you're doing your cycle, are you, are you going to be camping? Are you back yeah. uh, camping?
1: Yeah, camping. If if anyone's got a spare room, I'm very happy to obviously grab a shower and and sleep on a on a bed or a sofa or the floor, but predominantly camping.
0: Yeah, you'll be inundated. Um, it's a real reminder what absolutely lovely people there are in this great nation. Yeah. Um you can sometimes forget that when you see all the nonsense. Well, I haven't watched TV for a long time, but you know. Yeah. That, <laughs> that mainstream media thing makes out it's a terrible world. Um, you'll get lots of people that will want, want to look after you all, all the way. Doesn't mean the cycling is any easier, but
1: no. And yeah. how,
0: how, how are you going to plant these trees? What are they, are they saplings or are they going to be actual acorns or something?
1: I I'm, know um, we're not going to carry them with us, which is quite handy, because to cycle with 3000 trees is a feat in itself. Uh, I, I'm looking for partners in different communities that we're passing through so that we can plant them together, like a hundred trees together. Uh, so the community can then look after it. So I think they will already be like saplings or mature mm. trees. But yeah, we can we can do it as, as we go along. And I'd love to also stop at remote villages and schools to be able to talk to the children because I'm not sure they get that many adventurers who pass their way. So it would be really great to connect to those schools and communities and hear about what they're up to as well. So yeah, it's yes. a really community driven challenge.
0: Are you looking for volunteers to help you with that part?
1: Uh, yeah any type of help because it is just me and my my partner doing it all at the moment and we obviously have full-time jobs and this is this is our give back so yeah anyone who's got any ideas or connections uh please reach out or ideas to make sure that we're you know we do it as honestly or carbon neutral as possible then yeah get in touch happy to hear happy to chat
0: and kate one last thing can we talk about the reiki reiki or do i pronounce it right
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, What, what would you like to talk about it? Well, it's an incredible thing. So apologize that a good part of this podcast has been talking about my poor old back, but I, I have suffered with it over the years. I had a motorbike once and going over the speed bumps that they become a big thing in our city a while back. They put speed bumps everywhere. Mm. It compressed a disc and I had this painful back for ages and ages and ages. And I went round to my friend, Mike's hello, Mike, if you, if you're watching and, um, he said, right, come here, Chris. And he just put his hand like this and he said, is that better? And I went, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And you know, of course it, 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 it wasn't better. And then as I went out of his house to get on my bike, I realized the pain was just completely gone something that had been troubling me for about six weeks was completely gone and i'm i'm fascinated i mean i am in the right area that is reiki yeah yeah yeah
1: i mean i don't sort of portray to heal things because i offer the energy to your inner healer and it heals emotionally or physically what you need but yeah pretty much um I suppose for anyone who doesn't even know what Reiki is, uh, it's it's a way of it's like charging your phone. you we are the phone, the mobile phone, but we sometimes don't know how to connect to the electricity. So the Reiki is just the the cable that connects into the phone and allows universal energy or healing energy to pass into us. Uh, and as a Reiki practitioner, I'm able to sort of channel that energy or you know, direct that energy into the person into the area that they need the healing. So that's how I describe it. But it's absolutely magical in, in no words, no short words of that.
0: Yes. And again, it's an area we've all we've been cut off from. Mm. Um understanding we're all part of this wonderful universe prime primarily and we're this individual body secondly. um And that there is a universal energy running through all things and that that energy can get blocked is, is there anything, what would you recommend people do on a day to day basis to, to keep this energy flowing?
1: Yeah, well, one, one is connect to nature, preferably without shoes. So just standing on a bit of lawn or touching the bark of a tree that will start reconnecting and sort of bubbling up our own energy energy or you know the universe energy loves movement. so vibrate yourselves go for a run do star jumps jog on the spot uh start moving at the higher end, like cellular frequency uh, and also what i love doing is i have a gratitude journal but i also add on to it curiosity start seeing the world anew i think we're getting a lot like we might walk the same path to work or whatever and we we just sort of go into our zone and forget that outside the real world and magic's happening so start looking for that magic every single moment and every single day those three simple steps can really help us start reconnecting to the energy that is surrounding us all and that we are actually part of as well
0: and i've heard that stress can quite block this energy
1: yeah anger worry anything that You know, it's a lower frequency. Anything that sort of darkens our days, Mm. uh, and saying, don't be angry or don't be stressed. Doesn't help letting it pass because what we resist persists. So if we are stressed, honor the stress, it's okay to be stressed. It means that we we're, you know, concerned about something finds out how we can release it healthily rather than just suppressing or ignoring it.
0: Brilliant advice. Thank Kate, you. you've been absolutely wonderful. Um, Likewise. Yeah, I hope we can cycle somewhere together at some point. You'll yeah, have to I'll be
1: passing you at some point, yeah. I'm sure.
0: <laughs> you'll, you'll have to wait for me though.
1: Uh, I will make sure you're at the end of it, but I'll be, you'll be dra- you'll be dragging
0: me along for sure. Yes, well, on, on, you know, I'll we'll, we'll keep I'll keep up to speed with your big cycle, and I'll get my bike out when you get down to sunny Devon. Um would would be great to see you so stay on the line so i can thank you properly but absolutely what a wonderful guest friends at home um i hope you got as much from this as as i did i think i'm in that grand old stage of life now i just appreciate the nice energy and things and and it's where i like to be and um so kate thank you ever ever so much for that Friends if you can uh, yes virtual hug <laughs> friends at home one for you two massive love to you all please look after yourselves please turn off your mainstream media and and go and do some something that invests in 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 the positive you if you can like and subscribe that would be wonderful and we'll see you next time friends thank you for listening to the bought the t-shirt podcast please like subscribe and share And don't forget to follow me on social media. Username, Chris Thrall. Instagram, Chris.Thrall. Thank you.